Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The NCAA Women's Basketball Weight Training Facility, whose inadequacies are so sexist, they might as well have tried to trick the women into thinking housework is exercise. The NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, whose first-round upsets included first-seeded Illinois, losing to last-seeded Loyola Chicago, and 10th-seeded Virginia Commonwealth University, losing to 19th-seeded COVID. And Pandemic Irony, where playing an indoor full-contact sport tournament is safer than spring break. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what the NCAA Women's Basketball Weight Training Room lacks in equipment. Our top story this week. True to the political propaganda principle of accusing your enemies of doing exactly what it is that you are doing, a Kentucky senator and aristocrat who underpays the servant responsible for shoving fresh sticks up his ass, Rand Paul, accused Dr. Fauci's recommendation that vaccinated people continue to wear masks of being political theater. With that in mind, Barely Out of a Whisper presents a Republican propaganda political theater presentation of classical theater. Round about the cauldron go! I'm Fox News host, Judge Janine Pierrot! As the fork-tongued snake may say, I'm Trump mouthpiece, Kellyanne Conway. Uh, I'm Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I also am a Macbeth witch. Double, 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 Whether tis nobler on the face to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous itchiness or take arms against a sea of overwhelming verifiable scientific data and by opposing them to die. The cauldron bubbles with hypocrisy of selfishness Disguised as liberty! <laughs> the selfish snake doth slippery slither, with the illogical that doth make logic wither. <laughs> uh, Rand Paul is an unsavory character, doing unsavory character stuff. <laughs> to die, to sleep, to cough, perchance, to cause others to sleep. I. There's the rub, for in that rub, what spittle may spread when we have shuffled off this mortal COVID? There's the variant that makes calamity of the vaccination so long life. Double, double, lies that reek, reek. switching theater styles to to tragedy tragedy Greek. Greek. I am Aquia Pronunciationicus. And in my needlessly complicated quest to prove my strength, I have refused to take common sense precautions against death. Oh, great and mighty Aquia Pronunciationicus, please do not predictably murder me for I bear bad news. I shall punch myself in the face as per my inclination to overreacting to bad news. Um. Your stubborn refusal to wear a face covering in the face of great face danger has caused your wife slash daughter slash also somehow your cousin to die. 
most lamentable of lamentations for which you who lamented to me these lamentations must lament. Oh, no. Oh. Like Dr. Fauci, I shall to my last breath disprove the fallacy of your lamentable logic, which identifies the speaker of lamentable truth as the cause of the lamentations. I shall cut out my own eyes rather than see this foreseeable truth I failed to foresee. Ow! I blindly bumped into a wall. Rather than admit the obviousness of my own metaphorical blindness, I shall suffer a literal blindness until I am ultimately destroyed by a combination of blindness. Ow! I bumped into the wall again. The cauldron contorts, the truth's too blunt, creating concocted witches hunt. <laughs> the snake falsely blames a foe, false killer, like The Crucible by Arthur Miller. <laughs> uh, this next bit is like The Crucible with uh, the witch hunts and all. <laughs> Goodman Fauci dance with the devil. <gasps> oh, the good lady, good lady doth declare she saw Goodman Fauci dance with the devil. They were six feet apart and wearing masks. <gasps> the good word of the good lady, good lady is enough for me. But, good man, Goodman, my good man, there is good evidence that the good lady, good lady's claims are despite her good reputation for having a good word, not good. Ah, good point, good man. Not as good as good men. But the good lady, good lady's good word is good. And my good word, as a man named Goodman, is therefore more good than you. A man named not as good as Goodman. Therefore, the good lady good lady's good word must be good. Not a good point, Goodman. I may be named not as good as Goodman, but it is not good to ignore good advice based on accusation not made in good faith that hinge on a bias towards believing the good of the people named good, even when good evidence consistently proves that their perceived goodness is not good. Burn him! I can see Goodman, not as good as Goodman burning, but I don't smell anything. Well, that can't be good. Double, double, massive, twit, and full of shit. In a rare instance of bipartisanship, Democratic President Biden and Nebraska's Republican Governor Pete Ricketts are both wrong about marijuana. At a press conference, Governor Ricketts declared, If we legalize marijuana, it would get children killed. This reefer madness degree of marijuana hysteria is actually such nonsensical reefer madness style misinformation that it wasn't even alleged in the movie Reefer Madness. Hey, Daddy-o. Let's enjoy smoking a reefer cigarette as is the way of dangerous, nonconformist, communist, bohemians. I can dig it, hip cat. Puffing on marijuana cigarettes has made me so crazy with madness, I no longer like Ike. 
I am also capable of digging it. The reefer madness has made me so mad with the madness of the reefer that I will kill a small child. I dig it. And by it, I mean a grave for the child that you kill because reefer kills children. Meanwhile, the Daily Beast reported that dozens of young White House staffers have been suspended, demoted, or resigned after admitting to prior cannabis use. Who could possibly have guessed so many young people fresh out of college would have ever smoked wacky tobacco? Uh, anybody young enough to not call it wacky tobacco? <laughs> Come on, man. Everybody knows left-handed cigarettes are for jazz musicians and hippity-dippity-cuckoo-cachoo walruses. While it's easy to imagine why Governor Ricketts is adamantly opposed to marijuana use. After a really difficult childhood. Ew, it's Ricketts! Everybody run away from Ricketts or else you'll get Ricketts! Ricketts has Ricketts! I'm looking forward to going to high school where kids' sense of humor has evolved beyond making really stupid jokes about my last name. What's up, Ricketts? Wanna get stoned? Sure. <sighs> Ricketts. <laughs> Your name is Ricketts. <laughs> No. President Biden's stubborn opposition to marijuana use is harder to figure out. It's like my dad's old friend, Lefty, used to say, Joe. He called me Joe because my name is Joe. Joe, he said, you can mow the grass, but you should never smoke the grass. Because if you smoke the grass before you mow the grass, you can get your right hand cut off. I never did find out why they called him Lefty. But whatever the reason for their opposition. This is your brain. And when you crack an egg brain and, and put it in a frying pan, the egg brain fries. Any questions? <laughs> Marijuana makes people laugh at dumb jokes and my name is a dumb joke. <laughs> I'm the only person in America whose train of thought that commercial speaks to. The irony is that the arguments of marijuana legalization opponents have become almost indistinguishable from the dumb logic of stereotypical burnouts. Multiple studies have confirmed that marijuana is perfectly safe for human consumption. No, but like, smoking pot kills children, man. No one has ever overdosed on marijuana, ever. But think about it, man. Marijuana is like totally a gateway drug to like heroin. And heroin is so bad that if marijuana causes heroin, then marijuana should be classified as even worse than heroin. Whoa. There is absolutely no evidence to suggest that marijuana leads to heroin use. No, but like 90% or whatever of heroin users smoked pot before they took heroin. Therefore, ergo, let go my ego, marijuana leads to heroin. 
The fact that heroin users most likely also use marijuana does not prove that marijuana users are likely to use heroin. In order to prove that people who have used marijuana are likely to use heroin, you have to prove that most marijuana users also use heroin, which the overwhelming majority of them do not. Therefore, since marijuana use, statistically speaking, almost never leads to heroin use, there is zero causal effect between marijuana and heroin. Wait, what? What? I like totally spaced when you started disproving my argument. Okay, I'm gonna try this again. There is no, still here, causal link uh -huh. between uh -huh, right. marijuana yeah. and the use of harder drugs. Yeah, but like marijuana is totally a gateway drug. I just disproved that entire line of argument. Wait, what was I talking about? In fact, marijuana is safer, less addictive, and has fewer long-term negative health effects than such legal drugs as alcohol, tobacco, and- Oh yeah, I remember. Um, I was saying that marijuana is a gateway drug. Don't do drugs, because there was this woman on a really high diving board and she was doing a fancy dive off of the diving board but then the camera pulled back and there wasn't any water in the pool just say no no drugs no malarkey no rickets <laughs> <laughs> In coronavirus news, also known as the news, America's hopes of beating the virus through vaccination are being put in jeopardy by a massive gathering of drunk stupidity. Also known as Florida, as the city of Miami Beach, also known as woo woo, was forced to declare a state of emergency in an effort to curtail massive college spring break crowds. Also known as super stupid super spreaders. For more on this story, Barely Audible Whisper shrunk one of our reporters down to microscopic size and sent them to Miami Beach. Woo! Alright! Yeah. I'm coming to you live from Miami Beach. But the sounds of revelry you hear are not spring breakers partying, but rather the self-replicating orgy of super-spreading COVID viruses. Hence the bit about being shrunk down to microscopic size. Never running 2020! We're gonna live forever! Or at least until they invent a vaccination against stupidity. Totally. Herpes? What are you doing here? Duh. It's spring break. Uh, yeah. I am outnumbered this year because more spring breakers wear a condom than masks. That's good. I, I mean, it's bad. I mean, condoms are good, but, you know. Masks are murder. Anti-maskers save COVID lives. We thought the combination of effective vaccination and competent government would eliminate for sure, but these party goers are gonna keep our party going. Hey guys, do you notice anything different about me? Hey Variant, looks like you mutated again. Yeah, I totally did. I got a new protein spike and everything. Variant mutations of the virus developing new protein spikes that may be resistant to our current vaccinations is the thing that health experts fear most. You're such a slut, Variant. What is that, like the fifth new mutation you've developed this week? Shut up, Jealous. My mutations are what's keeping this virus going. 
Hey, don't let that asshole evolution shame you. I think your new protein spike is sexy. Hey, variant. Is that a new protein spike? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> oh, herpes. You're such a momentarily tempting, terrible long-term decision. And while COVID variant having sex with herpes is a fitting analogy for the events in Miami Beach, it is an even more fitting analogy for the future news that may result from Miami Beach. In what's being hailed as the perfect analogy for Trump's 2024 re-election effort, a new vaccine-resistant COVID variant also causes herpes. The Biden administration is being accused of a mixed message when it comes to immigration. On the one hand, administration officials are saying... The border is closed. Don't come here. But on the other hand, they're saying... We're seeking to create more paths to citizenship. That doesn't sound like conflicting messages to me. What is it, Biden? Should they come here or shouldn't they? Ambassador Roberta Jacobson addressed this issue of mixed messaging. I think when you look at the issue of mixed messages, it is difficult at times to convey both hope in the future and the danger that is now. And that's what we're trying to do. Is it that difficult? Just say, we have plans to help you, but now is not a good time. There's a pandemic and we inherited a mess. I certainly agree that we're trying to walk and chew gum at the same time. Isn't walking and chewing gum at the same time easy? Talk about mixed messages. To break down the ambassador's statement, we go to our Bizarre Analogies correspondent. The expression walk and chew gum at the same time ought to serve as an analogy for two non-conflicting tasks that are easy to do at the same time, like plucking your toe hairs and whistling the theme song from Indiana Jones. But like a prep cook using a melon baller to dice tomatoes, Ambassador Jacobson used the wrong expression to describe two seemingly conflicting goals. A more appropriate analogy might be that the administration is trying to chew gum and also chew tobacco at the same time. It's doable, but confusing, and definitely not ideal. In a related story, a local restaurant is being accused of sending mixed messages to its patrons. The fine dining establishment, Metaphor, has told its patrons it isn't accepting reservations, yet it continues to seat people. I'm sorry. We're full for the night and not taking any more guests. But I saw an ad where you're talking about how you're under new management and how great the food is now. So, do you want people to come here or not? Yes, we do. Oh, but not right now. We're full. I realize we're trying to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, that makes no sense in this context. I need to speak to the manager. Yes. Can I help you? You send in real mixed messages here. I came because I was promised delicious food and great service. But now your host is saying I can't come in. That's right. We're full right now. Migrant? Party of four. That's us. Right this way. What was that? You let them in? That's right. They've been waiting a long time. So you are seeing people? Yes. We're on a two-hour wait list. Okay. So put me on the list. We're not putting any new people on the list. The sign says you close at 10. That's in an hour. By the time we get everybody on the list seated, it'll be 10. I see empty tables in there. How can you say there's no room when there's empty tables? Yes, there's a pandemic right now. Haven't you heard? 
it's not safe to fill all our tables. Oh, okay, so let me get this straight. You're saying that you welcome diners, you're under new management and everything's better now, and you want us to come enjoy a good meal here, but you have limits on how many people you can let in at a time, and there's already a waiting list. So I have to come up with different dinner plans for now, but you hope I'll join you soon? Yes. It sounds perfectly reasonable when you put it like that, doesn't it? Mixed messages. Married San Francisco entrepreneurs Zachary Schultz Apt and Jessica Sunshine Richmond were indicted on federal fraud charges related to their now bankrupt fecal matter testing startup company. That story, once again, legal analysis of a shit-analyzing company confirmed the company that analyzes shit is completely full of shit. The company, Ubiome, pioneered mail-in fecal testing, whereby patients can poop into a container in the comfort of their own home instead of in a doctor's office, and then mail their poop sample to a laboratory for analysis. Do you need medical fecal testing, but submitting a medical sample in a doctor's office seems weird to you? Does the very weird idea of pooping in a box and then giving that box to your mailman somehow make that not weird test seem less weird to you? Do you hate your mailman? I used to hate having to submit fecal samples in the medically appropriate environment of a doctor's office or medical laboratory. But now, thanks to you, Biome, not only can I fish my own poop out of my own toilet, but I finally have an outlet for my passive aggressive hatred of mail carriers. The startup experienced initial success and was even awarded a Goopy Award by Gwyneth Paltrow's sham healthy lifestyle company, Goop. That story once again. The full of poop poopy company received a Goopy from the also full of poop Goop. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and if you think my acting is overrated, wait till you try my lifestyle products. I used to hate having too much discretionary income and not enough pseudo-spiritual, scientifically dubious asinine snake oil. My patented vagina-smelling candle empowers women to embrace their vaginas by wafting the aromatic aroma of my vagina into the livable vaginas they call homes. But now, thanks to a subpar Cameron Diaz, I traded my money for an organic facial cleansing cream made of recycled, repurposed, other organic facial cleansing creams and a living room that smells like a casting couch. As a celebrity so vain and unself-aware that I branded my own vaginal scent and called it Goop, I felt a duty. <laughs> to my own vanity, to invent an award that celebrates my vain achievements and not achieving anything by showering similarly idiotic entrepreneurs in the glory of my goop. You biome, the at-home poopy that won a goopy. But after some initial success, the at-home poop company went to shit. Oh, I can't believe our mail-in poop business is in the crapper. Oh, perhaps we overestimated the degree to which people passively aggressively hate mail carriers. However, the business did not fail because consumers rejected the idea of at-home sample pooping. Thank God our business model of doing medical things in medically inappropriate places wasn't the problem. Otherwise, we'd have to scrap our plans for replacing operating tables with hammocks. 
The business failed because their lab work was unreliable. That's the third client this week whose feces tested positive for smelling like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. And Apt and Richmond are facing felony fraud charges for misrepresenting their unreliable lab work to investors, patients, and insurance companies. We're in deep goop. Following a mass murder that targeted Asian women in Cherokee County and Barely Audible Whispers' hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, Cherokee County Sheriff's Captain and real-life Dukes of Hazard villain Jay Baker held a press conference in which he described the shooter's motivation by saying, quote, He had a bad day. The initial outrage over the Sheriff's Captain seemingly making excuses for a mass murderer. You know how it is. You oversleep and you're out of coffee and then you stub your toe while you're trying to find your keys, and your roommate ate the donut you were saving, and somebody spoiled the ending of the show you've been binge-watching, so you murder four human beings in cold blood, and then you drive 40 minutes away and murder four more human beings. You know, a bad day. Was met by even more outrage when, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, it turned out that the racist murderer defending Sheriff's Captain has personal history of anti-Asian racism. My name is absolutely nobody, and I am surprised. Captain Baker made matters worse when, again, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, he tried to blame his bad day comments on his own bad day. You know how it is. The kids are home because of the virtual learning, and my wife's mad at me because I forgot her anniversary, and then I had to give a press conference about the cold-blooded murder of a bunch of Asian women. And then one of my anti-Asian social media posts resurfaced. So yes, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to an Asian spa and either get a massage or murder women in cold blood, depending on whether or not there's traffic. The blame a bad day, idiot, tried to blame his blaming a bad day on a bad day. If that's not the most surprising thing I've ever heard, then my name is an absolutely nobody. And while the racist behavior of a racist sheriff's captain in small-town Georgia came as a surprise to absolutely nobody... What? There's a racist police official in a small southern town? who went out of his way to defend the racism murder committed by a racist? This is the most surprising thing that I've ever seen in all of my years of being absolutely nobody. The existence and severity of anti-Asian racism in America seem to be a great surprise to far too many of us. For a deeper look at the history of anti-Asian racism in America is Barely Audible Whisper's own Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called... Dr. Professor. America has a long racist history of anti-Asian racism, of which the vast majority of Americans are woefully ignorant due to America's long racist history of not acknowledging America's long racist history. The important thing to know is that I'm not a racist person. American racism against Asians. I love Asians. I can eat Pad Thai. Uh, I know all the words of Gangnam style. Uh, my third favorite work friend is Chinese. Or Vietnamese? Or one of the ones that isn't Japan? 
began in the mid 19th century. You know what? I, I, I don't. I don't need to hear this. Really, I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. See, womp 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 Gangnam Style. When Chinese immigrants arrived in California seeking mining work during the gold rush. There's gold in them there hills. And now we've done stolen all the land from its rightful native owners. We can greedily keep all the gold for ourselves. I have traveled here all the way from China seeking work in your gold mines. You Chinese bunch of greedy land snatchers. I reckon you're going to try and steal my land from its rightful owner and greedily try and keep all the gold for yourselves. No, that's what you did. Don't you try and trick me with your tricky Chinese logic tricks. That's just regular logic. Mm-hmm, you Chinese, you play tricks. And the racist joke is going to catch on and last forever because the rhyming punchline is dick. The construction of the Transcontinental Railroad in the 1860s led to a massive uptick in Chinese immigrants who were willing to do the dangerous and low-paying hard labor of connecting the entire continental United States with train tracks. If we built a railroad that connected the entire continental United States, why we'd make a fortune, even bigger than the fortune we already have. Adequate pay and safe working conditions for all those laborers would cost a fortune. That fortune would be a fraction of our fortune, and we stand to make an even bigger fortune. But still, I hate the idea of forking over a fraction of our fortune even to achieve a bigger fortune. Fortunately, I figured a way to protect the fraction of the fortune it would cost to make a fortune by spending a fraction of the fraction of the fortune by hiring immigrants who will work for a fraction of the fraction of the fortune because they're less fortunate. Plus, they're not white, so we don't have to pretend to care if they die. Following the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad, the Chinese immigrants who had built the railroad migrated to cities with Chinese communities in search of work prompting white people to do what white people do in the presence of an influx of immigrants. Take one Tai Chi class and pretend to be an expert on Asian culture. Commit mass violence and pass heinous legislation. I, President Chester A. Arthur, by the authority invested in my mutton chops, vetoed the original Chinese Exclusion Act, which among other things banned Asians from becoming citizens for 20 years because it was too racist. But then I signed the exact same bill into law when they changed it from 20 years to 10 years because the exact same racism over a shorter period of time is somehow less racist. Progress. Case in point, the People v. Hall, a case in which the California Supreme Court ruled that Asians could not testify in court, thus precluding the multiple Chinese witnesses who witnessed Mr. Hall murder a Chinese man from testifying that they witnessed Mr. Hall murder a Chinese man. Not guilty by reason of the only people who saw it were Chinese. Also, from what I understand, he had a bad day. The most infamous example of anti-Asian racism is the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II, which Americans especially hate to talk about because 
We really want to like FDR. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Uh, that and Japanese people. And of course, World War II was followed by wars in Korea and Vietnam, which not only led to four consecutive decades in which Asians were America's enemies, but also led to the hypersexualization of Asian women. Well, that's part of our ongoing Cold War with Russia. We're gonna invade Vietnam and kill the Vietnamese who Russia supports. Well, so that we can kill Russia's Vietnamese allies without having to kill Russians. We'd rather not kill because, well, they're white. Sir, so we're going to invade Vietnam and kill Vietnamese people to protect Vietnam from the Vietnamese, sir? Yeah, exactly. We're going to purposely kill our Vietnamese enemies and accidentally kill many of our Vietnamese allies. Because, well, while we're in Vietnam, only real contact with Vietnamese people will be killing them and paying attractive Vietnamese women for sex. So, sir... We're going to spend a decade in a foreign country where we treat all of their men as enemies and all of their women as sex objects, sir? Exactly. And since we don't even think through the disastrous short-term consequences of this war, well, you can rest assured we sure as hell didn't think about the long-term consequences of our racism. Yes, sir. Which leads us to the hate crime that shocked too many of us and the excuses that surprised absolutely nobody. He's just a poor sex addict who, like recovering addicts are supposed to do, try to avoid temptation. So he murdered a bunch of Asian women in cold blood like an alcoholic pours liquor down the drain. Wow! The racist sheriff's captain tried to blame the Asian women for their own murder. I haven't been this surprised since hate crimes against Asians increased by 150% after the president of the United States called COVID the Kung Flu. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people. Writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin. Co-host Molly Baldwin. Writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown. Actors Joshi Newkirk, Tommy Strack, Michael Morgan, Robin Ward, and Ali Glonick. Please uh, check out our website where you can subscribe to our podcast or you can subscribe to us wherever it is that you subscribe to all your other podcasts. We appreciate your support. that for longer than I expected. In loving memory of Corey Burns. Hubris!